Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we discuss pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. And I'm your host, Julia Washington. And on today's show, I am talking about the 1998 family drama Stepmom with one of our regulars, Christina Kay is back. Hey friends, love our show, but hate the commercials. Become a pop culture club member on Patreon for $10 a month to receive ad free episodes with bonus content, bonus episodes, a virtual meetup to discuss movies and television, and so much more. To learn more about how to become one of our Patreon pals, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com or visit the link in our show notes. Stepmom stars Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts and is directed by Chris Columbus. The film was released on December 25th, 1998. But before we dive into a summary, let me reintroduce you to our guest. Christina Kay has been on the show many times and throughout all of the seasons. She is a California-based hairstylist and photographer specializing in boudoir photos. Her philosophy is look good, feel good, can apply to every day. Welcome back to the show, Christina. Hi, Julia. I'm excited to be back. Per use. Per use. I, I feel like it's been a while. We Our relationship pretty much is just in the DMs of Instagram. <laughs> that and reconnecting on the podcast and sometimes I feel like we'll schedule a couple of them like back to back like close together and then I won't talk to you for like three months and I'm like are we still friends are we still I think friends? we're still friends yeah we're still friends if I haven't actually I shouldn't say that I was to say if I haven't deleted you off social we're still friends but that's also not entirely true because in 2020 I deleted a ton of people to reduce my network and um it wasn't it was just like, oh, you're not a family member or we don't talk on the regular by, oh, um, yeah. and people were like, I got text messages from people like, did I months later, that's how long it took people to realize. Like I did it in like April or May of 2020. Cause I was going through a real hard time. I mean, everyone was, but because of my job at the time, it was extra hard. Cause I was like informing people about COVID. Um, and, and so like, I don't know, like September, October, November, people are texting. Did I do something wrong? Like, I see we're not connected on, on Facebook anymore. It took you. Okay. So you're just proving my point. It took you like six months to realize that we're not connected on Facebook anymore. So you just kind of proved my point. (laughs) Honestly, I feel like I go through and I do that like every couple of months where I'm like, I'm just going to purge a bunch of people just because I don't talk to them. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably every single time I do this, Within a couple of days, I'll get like a friend request from someone that I purged, mm. and I'm like, I didn't know you were that hard on stalking my life. Yeah. Why don't you ever like anything? Why don't you ever comment on anything? Yeah. Why don't we shoot the shit in the DMs? Like, yeah, I'm not here to just have like a fantasy land. Like, I'm really trying to have, I'm so much better at having relationships through long distance or through DMs than I am in person. So please see me. Yeah. I'm like, if I sent you 400 videos and you didn't respond to any of them, I'm going to assume that you didn't like any of the commentary I have about my normal boring life. But if you just reply to me every once in a while, then I'd be like, all right, they like it. They they probably don't like as much as I send, but at least they're (laughs) subscribing to something. I like all of it. You, you said, and then I always feel bad if I don't see it right away. Cause I'm like, Oh, I need to respond. Like, I need her to know that. Like I saw it, like, and sometimes like my days will get away from me and it'll be like four hours later. I'm like, fuck, I like should have responded sooner. So she knows that I'm not like ignoring her. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even pay attention to when I was like when people respond or whatever. I just get excited that they did respond. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay. So they did whenever they did see it, they did like it or they did have yeah. feelings about it. Yeah. <laughs> so now that everyone knows the inner workings of our social strategy. <laughs> So now that everyone knows we're extreme introverts, yeah. 
which is so hard for people to believe about me because here I am talking to you and we're having a bubbly conversation. But what people don't understand is that's like literally like, well, you and I record for like an hour, hour and a half, but like when I do quick events and stuff, I'm like, you're just asking me for an hour of my life. It's really easy to muster for an hour and then I'll sleep the rest of the day because it took everything out of me. So like, Oh, exactly. I'm like, I can't wait for this. I love you, but I can't wait for this to be over because then I get to just like lay on the couch and veg out the rest of the day until we go get Aiden. And I'm like, that sounds glorious. Yeah. I did that yesterday. I was like, I'm just going to lean into like, not doing anything because we were recording today. So it was like, well, I was going to do admin stuff yesterday for the show. And then I was like, I'm not doing two days. Like that's too much work. I have to email like six people. I have to do all these things. I'm not doing that in over two days. I'm going to record and email and everything all in one day. So that way today, yesterday could be amazing. Yesterday we did yard work for way too long. And then last night my body regretted everything I did the whole day. I was like, oh, you're eight months pregnant, bitch. What do you think? You can just go out and like pretend like you're not, right? which is what I did. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes. Oh. <laughs> oh my God. We have to keep going. We have to continue Focus. To move on because anyway, nobody's here to listen to us talk about our lives like that. They might. Be. I mean, we they might know. be. All right, friends, here's a quick summary of stepmom just to refresh your memory. Three years after divorcing Jackie, the mother of his children, Luke Harrison decides to take the next step with a significantly younger girlfriend, fashion photographer Isabel Kelly. But when Kelly meets Harrison's children for the first time, their allegiance to their mother is palpable. Isabel tries to win the children over, but fails repeatedly but the big secret likely fueling every decision jackie makes is that she is terminally ill thus adding an additional layer of grief to the entire ordeal at the time of its release sarandon and roberts were at the height of their stardom and expectations were high the new york times ran a review titled stepmommy dearest not at all where writer janet maslin had this to say Stepmom has a couple of secret weapons. These two actresses are so galvanized and team up so well that the women's relationship soon upstages anything having to do with the man, both Miss Roberts and especially Miss Sarandon, who has the much more believable role, go through their emotions with unexpected conviction and make the film a lot more watchable than it has any right to be. According to the Census Bureau, in March of 1998, 19.4 million people were divorced, representing 9.8% of the population at the time. In a 2016 article from The Atlantic, journalist Darlena Kunha explores the divorce gap in detail, quoting research from Stephen Jenkins, a professor at the London School of Economics, that states, despite the common perception that women make out better than men in divorce proceedings, women who worked before, during, or after their marriages see a 20% decline in income when their marriages end. Men, meanwhile, tend to see their incomes rise more than 30% post-divorce. In Stepmom, the movie, we see Susan Sarandon's character living in an idyllic home. She's experiencing what appears to be no financial stress. But before we fully dissect this film, Christina, I want to know why you love this film. So let's talk about it. Why do you love Stepmom? Because you you pitched this idea to, for us to talk about. So give it to me. Why do you love it? Okay. Well, I can't say why I originally liked this movie because I mean, I was a child when it came out, um, <laughs> like a little but tiny I think child. Like, my mom always had like, anytime the movie was on like cable television and she would see it, she would turn it on. So it became mm-hmm. like a familiar movie for me, like one of those nostalgic movies. Yeah. And I had not watched it in years. And so when I saw it on Netflix, I was like, Ooh, yay. Like stepmom's on here but then I watched it and I'm I'm now in this role where I am somebody's stepmom mm-hmm. and I'm about to be somebody's actual mom mm-hmm. and it just like created this wide range of understanding and feelings and emotions and I could relate to some parts and some parts made me mad <laughs> and so, you know like it was just something that it gave me all of the different feels. And so I would say now I think it was just, it's a unique movie in the sense that I like that it showed 
both women's point of view Mm -hmm. because both women had such valid and raw feelings towards the matter. And I think that that's really hard to encompass. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that especially for the time, like they did so good at encompassing that. Um, But I I can't get over how they both live such lavish lifestyles. I know. I never noticed that before. And now I'm like, how do you not work and afford this beautiful home? Right. Like what? Because it's that working all the time. And I'm like, I like our house, but I'm like, it's a struggle to have it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of the perception that this um, article, that study from the guy from London School of Economics was trying to prove the point of like, you know, this representation isn't true. Like she's living in this gorgeous home, but like, if this were the real world, she probably wouldn't be. And pop culture does this a lot where they have the divorced woman and she makes out like the leader of the divorce. She gets, she gets all these perks and benefits and all this money and she keeps the house and all these things. And his study is basically saying that's just not accurate. And I appreciate that study because again, it, pop culture reinforces some of our opinions and ideas, even if we don't want to acknowledge it and admit it. But how many people do you know who think that women always make out mm-hmm. in the end? It's like almost everybody I know, unless they've been in that situation. Um, but to um, piggyback on liking this movie, when I was a kid, I was like, oh man, Julia Roberts, like when I, you know, when I was younger, it was just like, I, feel Julia Roberts pain. Like how dare like Susan Sarandon not be so like, come on, like all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And then now watching it again, I was like, I probably would be a Susan Sarandon in this scenario. <laughs> I, that's my baby. Yeah. And you're trying to like, like, I get that fear of like, you're you, I'm the mom. You can't mm-hmm. be the cool one. You can't be the fun one because I have to be able to be that too. And yeah, like if you're going to play this game, you also need to be a disciplinarian. You can't mm-hmm. just be all the fun. You have to be all the things. And like, I was yeah. like, oh my God, I would so be. Now my kid's grown. So now I'm just like, we have a solid relationship. But when they're as young as 12, and I think the other one's eight, um, I think you know, he's like six, six. isn't he it's, even younger? I don't know, but they're, you know, it's still young they're enough little, that you yeah. can be like swayed and like create mm-hmm. a fractured relate, you know, create fractures in the relationship. And that's really scary. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, I like that we're talking about this now that I've been a stepmom for three going on four years now. Oh my God. Has it been that long already? It has. Holy buckets. Oh, I, I remember, but when you weren't, when like that wasn't even a part of your life. <laughs> I, me too. <laughs> That's but crazy. It's, yeah. It's a, uh, I think I get into it later on a different question, but yeah, I think it's just like, it's, I like that they, I like that the movie never focused on like team mom or mm-hmm. team stepmom. It was like, this is how the mom is feeling. And in all these different situations and there's times where you're like I would feel the same way and there's times where you're like eh, maybe that wasn't you know mm-hmm. and then there's this is how the stepmom's feeling in these situations and I had more times where I'm like eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that and then, yeah. <laughs> like, and then there's times where you're like "Ooh, I get I get that I get that you know and so it's it's really cool to see like it's cool that they did over the time of the movie, like you see them grow, you see them grow as their own form of mom. You see Mm -hmm. them grow as like co-parenting moms. Mm -hmm. Like you see their relationships with the kids like ebb and flow. And it's just, I think it's really cool that they did that when they did that at a time, I would say probably when like co-parenting wasn't a big thing. Not the term, no, but at, I was 12 in 1998 and I had a lot of friends whose parents were divorced and there was a lot yes. of animosity and there was a it's, lot of like, I can do this at my mom's, but I can't do this at my dad's. Mm-hmm. And there was no, there was absolutely no give and take. It was like, this is my house. We're doing it my way or the highway. I don't give a shit of what's going on at your dad's kind of mentality. Yeah. And that just doesn't exist anymore. 
they're also or, I mean, I it feel might, like, but it not in the same way like sorry yeah I, I no, feel like I, I know where you're going s- and I'm gonna agree go ahead <laughs> I think it's I agree with that there's also like it was like moms tended to get most of the custody or one parent would get mm-hmm. most of the custody where I feel like this movie showed that they kind of had somewhat of an even more even mm-hmm. balance of time and then um it showed them like even unwillingly trying to somewhat work together mm-hmm. you know there's that scene where they're at the play and Susan Sarandon is you know trying to get the in on with Julia Roberts about like who her daughter's dating or whatever yeah and it's like it's this cute moment that they you know they're trying to come together to figure out their daughter mm-hmm. and that's not something you saw much at that time that mm-hmm. was something that was super rare because like you said it was like oh well I have rules at mom's house and dad's house and yeah co-parenting was definitely not a term at that point but I think that's why I like the movie so much for the time frame that it came out is that it really it almost kind of like pushed the envelope in mm-hmm. that sense mm-hmm. yeah I agree I agree we are supported by Maya, My Yoga Audio. Looking for a great read and a great listen? Then you want to read the short but powerful life and death memoir by Megan Morgan called The End of Me. It's about Megan's three brushes with death. And believe me when I say that it is meant to be a movie one day, friends. Also, check out Megan's interviews with wellness professionals and creatives, as well as yoga and meditation classes on her podcast, Maya, My Yoga Audio. You can find the book and the podcast on her website, myyogaaudio.com. Tune in to My Yoga Audio wherever you listen to this podcast and buy the book directly from Megan. The End of Me is also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other major online book retailers. In Roger Ebert's 1998 review, he had this to say, the movie is really about the Sarandon character. Harris is absent for much of the second half until he turns up for a family photo. Sarandon can create characters of astonishing conviction. Here, she has to be unreasonable for half the movie and courageous for the rest. There's not a rest period where she just gets to be this woman. A fury... A few years after the movie's release, Time Magazine had this to say, under Chris Columbus' direction, they make a pretty but utterly misleading picture in which cheap sentiment is used to supply easy false resolutions to agonizing issues. So I want to talk a little bit about moms slash stepmoms, especially now that you're on the verge of being both because you mentioned you're being a, you're going to, you are a stepmom and then you're going to be a mom. So how does this movie hit differently from when you first watched it? Oh, I guess we kind of touched on that a little bit already. Um, I think, yeah, I think all of the questions are kind of, my answers bleed will blend together. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think obviously, because like I said, I was an actual child when it first came out, so <laughs> very different opinion then versus now. Yeah. Um, but I think even as a kid, I felt so like like strained for both of them like I mm-hmm. could see both of their points of view to the best of my knowledge at the time yeah because you and I both are both our parents are married like yeah di- living as a child of divorce is not our story you but I do have story. you do have that experience I from your brothers somewhat yeah my brothers they're older than me and they you know my mom divorced their dad when they were young and so I know that they had a stepmom and I know that their relationship with her was not good. Mm. (laughs) Like my mom's relationship with hers, you know, not good. And, but it's one of those things where like, but then on the flip side, my dad was their stepdad and that was a good relationship. So it was like, I could see all these different complex things as a kid. I didn't really understand them, but Mm -hmm. Do you think think, that helped you with their situation now, like going into your relationship with Taylor and being a stepmom to Aiden? Do you think that helped you be a better stepmom? Definitely. Um, I was going to say, I, I, and even Taylor knows this, I never wanted to be a stepmom Mm -hmm. because of my experience growing up. I was like, I don't ever want to be in that position where I am having to share children with other people, you know? 
for whatever reason, it just seems like I, my parents had me and it was mm-hmm. like, well, they only had to figure it out with each other. And that seemed hard enough. So yeah. like, two people agreeing on something is hard. Having mm-hmm. four, you know, three yeah. or four people agreeing on something is really hard. Um, so it was something that I like, I pushed off dating Taylor for a year because I, I was I was so afraid I was so in, trapped in that mindset of like I don't I don't know what my role would be I don't mm-hmm. know how I would be able to give him the kind of like love that I want to give him without overstepping my boundaries mm-hmm. and then on the flip side like I don't know how to like make sure you know all the the politics of it scared mm-hmm. me and then I mean, now I can't imagine my life without Aiden. I'm like, we go get him tonight. And I'm like, is it 530 yet? Like, let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's, I think it, it takes time. Like, um, it takes time. It takes understanding. And it takes a lot of patience to become a step parent because you have to, at the beginning, just be a friend Mm-hmm. and kind of be hands-off or at least this is my personal belief you kind of have to be hands-off and just be like the you know a supporter to your partner mm-hmm. in whatever choices they make and be a friend to the kid but then like you said earlier like eventually you have to also be a disciplinary you have to be the person that's not always fun you have to be the person that enforces rules or chores or homework or whatever mm-hmm. stuff is and so I, I think it's wonderful that Aiden has a mother who's perfect for him. I can say that she's a great mom and I'm glad that he has that. But now that we've been doing this for so long and we have him 50% of the time, like I've grown into this role where I am his mom when his mom's not around mm-hmm. and he doesn't have to call me mom for that to be a thing. You know, mm-hmm. he knows that dinner's going to be made or that his lunch will be made for school he knows that I expect chores to be done or Mm -hmm. the same thing I would do with you know like our kid that we're going to have here pretty soon like and so it's something that like it takes time (laughs) and no one talks about and it's each little like step is so gradual and you just kind of fall into it naturally Mm -hmm. and I think it's something that like there's times where it's really hard and there's times where it's stupid easy (laughs) and you're like I don't know I don't know I'm sure that parenting is the exact same way Mm -hmm. um but I I think now I think age also has a huge factor in it so Anna's older when Mm -hmm. like her parents get a divorce so she yeah she was like she and more. I think we're like the same age technically like I think she's 12 13 and I was yeah. 12 in the movie or I was actually in 1998 I was 14 when the movie came out so she definitely understands more she has more memories of her parents together or their family unit together mm-hmm. whereas Ben's younger and so he's kind of more like I would say go with the flow yeah and I would say that I like in my situation I lucked into the fact that Aiden doesn't really remember his parents ever being together. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aiden had a stepdad for like two or three years before I even got to the picture. So he was used to having a step parent role. Sure. And so for us, it, that helped me a lot um, because Aiden was like, yeah, all right, cool. You're going to be my stepmom then? Like you're with my dad. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. have a stepdad at my mom's house. Like that's just how this works. And yeah. so. I think younger kids are a little bit more forgiving about that stuff where when it's older, you really do have to kind of like test the waters more yeah, those and you have to be a lot more careful. Those teen years are rough. Yeah. I mean, your teen I think years people, are rough in general. In general, right? And I think people forget how resilient younger kids are. I think that's mm-hmm. a thing that we often forget, but child psychologists are constantly reinforming, reaffirming children are resilient. Children are resilient. It's how you as adults behave that can like influence how they approach the situation or whatever. Um, and I think like, like for me, it's always just been, well, I did have one serious boyfriend. Well, I do serious boyfriends. Um, 
in the last 17 years, not counting Jackson Staggs. I don't count that as a serious boyfriend because he did not want to be with me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And, you know, neither of them had kids and they both, well, one, anyway, the, the most recent one, like he definitely didn't want his own kids and took precautions to ensure that he would never have children and I appreciated that because um it was like I felt less pressure we could just focus on our relationship and then like building a relationship as the three of us but on the other side of that coin you know I think when you're not being honest with the other person not me I wasn't not honest but when the other person's not honest it makes it really hard to bring in a step or a new relationship because mm-hmm. like when Susan Sarandon, <clears throat> Jackie would, she'd bristle about stuff. I was like, oh yeah, I felt those things before. And it's not that, you know, what, what's his name? Luke in the movie wasn't being like honest. He's just being, he's just being a guy. Cause you know, men aren't supposed to communicate, which I think is bullshit. Um, but like, we had a lot of like clear dishonesty happening where it was just like, I I don't really give a shit that you have a girlfriend you really like now. Here's all the things that you just lied about. So we are done here, sir. Like, I just need you to understand that if I can't trust you, I can't give you my only flesh and blood. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fair. Like, I I feel like, um, and and, and in the hindsight, I feel bad for like all those girls who came in and thought that, well, he lied to them too, but that's not the point. But, you know, essentially it was like, it makes me the bad guy. Cause I'm over here being like, no, you're being, a, you're not being honest with me. This is not happening. And then the ripple effect of the person that he's in a relationship with hindsight, I can feel a smidge bad about that. But at the end of the day, it's still ultimately his responsibility to make sure that he's not lying and he's not doing things to harm his relationship with the people that he claims that he wants to have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I think f- for myself and it probably you know had to do with the way I grew up and what I saw and what I didn't want and you know what I want I always tried to take in the feelings of Aiden's mom Mm -hmm. whether like no matter and I say that with like a huge grain of salt like I don't want anyone coming on here and being like oh she's such a nice person no I'm fucking not (laughs) I am (laughs) I have I'm a very emotional person. I'm a really sensitive person. And because of that, I just wanted to make sure that like, no matter what I was ever doing or not doing, I wasn't stepping on his mom's toes or Mm -hmm. stepping on Aiden's toes, meaning like, I don't want to hurt Aiden's feelings in any way at any point based on like what I said or didn't say or what I did or didn't do. And I think that that's something, if you're going to be a step, like a step parent, you have to consider, like you have to be the adult in this situation Mm -hmm. and you have to be able to, I'm not saying put your feelings aside because I still have my really big feelings about things, Mm -hmm. but you have to be able to segregate your feelings. Mm -hmm. So when your child is present or when the child is with you and stuff, you have to be able to put on that, that emotionally strong front and do what's best for them and say what's best for them at any given time, Mm -hmm. no matter what your feelings are about the situation, which I don't always see them doing in the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm not saying I'm perfect and that I've never, you know, said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing. I'm just saying like, in general, that is always one of my core values Mm -hmm. being a step parent is making sure that I'm constantly watching how I handle situations or how I speak about things or speak about people so that down the road when he's older he can look back and go like shoot I didn't even know like Christina had these feelings you know yeah it's not for him to worry about yeah 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 when yeah I would you know when my son was little we did not include him in any of those things because it's not his responsibility and now that he's a teenager there's things that happen where I have to say things like you're the kid it's not your job <laughs> like, I was gonna ask you <laughs> would would you like how would you feel like about your son having a stepmom like from I guess at this point it doesn't really matter it wouldn't 
in my opinion, he's too old for that to really ever be like a something that mm-hmm. would hurt your bond. But like mm-hmm. if a little like as a little kid or even as a, you know, in more of his formative years, mm-hmm. like if his dad was to be with someone consistently. Well, we did. How would that make you feel? We did go through a situation where, cause you know, he has a a younger sibling from his dad. Um, and that, but everything about how all of that started wasn't good. You know, he wasn't honest. The, his dad wasn't honest with me about that relationship and what was going on. He was running away from literally us and his family. Um, And yeah, I was hurt and I probably did some things and said some things that I probably shouldn't have. But at the same time, he 100% left his kid for this woman and moved out of state. And then when they got pregnant and had a kid, it was like, I'm sorry, fuck you. (laughs) You can't even call your son on our scheduled agreed upon times. And you think you can have another baby? Like, and you know, there was rumors going and we were in our tw- early 20s I was tw- I think I was 23 at the time when this was going on and so he was probably 26 so he wasn't in his early 20s his brain was fully formed by then <laughs> um but there were rumors going around about like the kind of behavior that they were doing and I wasn't comfortable with my child being around that I did not grow up in a party environment I did not grow up with I grew up with very solid parents who went to church on Sundays who made us go to Sunday school who sent us to private religious school so the idea of like handing my child over to an actual party house was like that's not happening I never grew up in that kind of environment so I don't think it's safe you know, and even now, like I'm super chill as a parent. And even now I'm just like, well, (laughs) no, you're, but you're 17 now. So like we have, you know, a little bit more whatever, cause you have sense. (laughs) Yeah. But at three, if everyone's high and drunk and there's a bonfire in the backyard, I don't know that there's somebody who's going to be with with their wits with kids running around. And I don't want to get a phone call in the middle of the night that my child got burnt and hurt. So it just was not, a good situation. Again, lack of honesty, um, lying by omission, which I have, I'm gray on lying by omission, but like this felt very intentional and very on purpose. So that way they could get what they wanted. Um, and that hurt. And it was just, I just felt like no one gave a fuck about my emotions and feelings in this scenario. My mom was on my side, which was awesome because we didn't, we fractured our relationship when I came home pregnant at 20, but through all of that, she was one, she was like, you want to see a mama bear? Like she was just like, back up, fuck <laughs> up people. Like this is my baby. Um, and it was hard and it was hard. And because of that, every single time after that, if he wanted to like try and bring somebody in, I was just like, you're cute. No. <laughs> yeah. Because you've never acknowledged that you did all of these terrible, horrible things. You never acknowledged that you abandoned your child. You're st- I don't know if he's still running away from that or what, but he was out of state for such a long time. Um, and then, you know, just little, and you know, he's better now he's making effort now and he's doing stuff now at the same time. I like to think that it's not too late. Cause you know, just because you, you know, my child's a senior in high school doesn't mean he can't have a relationship with his dad, but it's in its infancy. Right. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that whole, like you're a kid, that's not your responsibility. If that's something that your other parent wants to do with you, he needs to make the effort. Like you're a child. It is not the child's responsibility to make a relationship with the parent. Big facts say that in bold for real. I'm going to, I'm going to snip this out and make it a social. (laughs) And that's the thing that I have to constantly like not constantly. It's not very often, but whenever something does happen, I have to, you know, it's a reminder I give, um, you know, when, when I'm in my fifties and when we're in our fifties and he's in his thirties, different playing game. Cause we're all adults at that point. Yes. You still have the parent child relationship, but it's a little different, but right now your brain still isn't fully formed. You've only ever lived in my home. You are still learning how to have relationships and who you are. Like it is not your responsibility to bear the burden of building a relationship with, with your parent. Yeah. That's, that's the lead your parents should take. But now, and, and two, Uh, his dad is in a relationship now and it seems to be making him a better person and we're all happy about that (laughs) that's good yeah 
hopefully that stays on the good positive track yeah (laughs) fingers crossed (laughs) for your son's sake yeah because you know it's hard i we see it with the other side um with the with the um the, the um, brother and just, you know, what it, like, I always, even, even if it felt like I was being, if he thought I was being a bitch to him, I had my reasons, but I never cut his family off from our, my kid, our kid. We had Sunday dinner at his dad's house at grandpa paternal grandpa's house every Sunday for 10 years. Um, and then something happened where I was just like, I can't, you clearly don't give a shit about me or what's going on. So, or respect what I'm doing with raising our kid or having bear born the burden, carry the burden of being a solo parent. So we're not doing that anymore. Um, but we still would go once a month. We still would visit, you know, Christmases, holidays. Like we still made an, I have a key to their house for fuck's sake. Like we have a healthy relationship with the paternal side of the family. It was never a cutoff situation. So sometimes I do get a little hurt when I hear negative things were said about me because it was just like, you're the one who was fucking up. Not me. Like <laughs> your side of the family. I went to a fucking family reunion with my child for your side of the family. And I don't even know if he was there. Yeah. I actually, I think he was there, but like, you know what I mean? It was just like, I'm not the bad guy. Like I'm being a bigger person and now I'm tired of being a bigger person and I'm tired of making sacrifices. So you do you boo. I'm going to, I'll send my kid if he wants to go, but I am not showing up. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Yeah. And the kids get to the age where you no longer as a parent have to bear those burdens. Mm -hmm. You can give them the choice of like, Hey, you want to do this? Go for it. If you don't, don't. Yeah, like I'm never gotten in the way. Like you want to spend you you, oh, you called to spend time with your kid. Cool. Give me the plans. Where are you going? What are the details? And when he was little, little, you know, those things never, never came to fruition because he can't plan. And I'm sure he tries. Bless his heart. Um, but now that my son's a teenager with a cell phone, now it's like okay, well, I you know you know you can call me if something if shit hits the fan and I'll come get you. <laughs> like yeah. you want to go, I'm not gonna get in the way. Plans aren't ironed out yet. Well, you're it's a bunch of seventeen year olds. Really, he's forty one, so it shouldn't be a bunch of seventeen year olds because you should be like a forty one year old. That's hard, Julia. <laughs> I mean, I know I forget I'm pushing 40 as well, so (laughs) like, but also I know how to make a plan to tell the other parents, like my mother is in her seventies and she still wants to know that we've made it home safely. Like, it's just a common courtesy thing where you're just like, here's like in our family, it's normal for us to be like, I'm on the plane. I've landed. Here's where I'm staying. Here's the room number. That's normal in our family. I don't know if it's because we were raised by cop, a cop. I don't know. But like other families I've learned do this too. So to be in a situation where it's like, well, we might go out of town. Like if we go out of town this weekend, can I take the kid? And we might do this and we might do that. And these are the things that we might do. And it's still a whole lot of might do on the day of that shit's stupid. You're an adult. You should have a plan. Kids need plans. Kids need to know what's going to happen. Kids with kids don't need to know what's happening, right? Like you're a bunch of 16 year olds and you don't have a plan. Cool. You're a bunch of 16 year olds with a 40 year old in law in charge. You should have a plan. <laughs> Sorry. That was a I'm rant. All, I'm all about going with the flow, but you, hey, I love, I think I'm all about it too, but like you got to do that on your, on your earned time, which is why I like our, our setup where we get them for two weeks and then they have them for two weeks. So it's like you wanted on your two weeks, that's you do what you want. On our two weeks, we do what we want. Because you're in charge of your life, right? But when you're yeah. in charge of somebody else's life and you don't have a plan, that's very chaotic for kids. And kids need yeah. structure and routine. They need to know what to expect from you. Like they can't just be floating out there and alone in the ether. That's not the point of parenting. Yeah. But so many people They're do like that. Puppies. They need they need to expect what's coming next in order to succeed. Yeah. And I recognize and understand that I do not take comfort in chaos. That is not my strength. (laughs) It's not a thing I enjoy. So when I am around people who find comfort in chaos, they just, there's just chaos after chaos. They can't have a plan. They can't have structure. It actually makes me really uptight and I don't like who I become around those types of people. So I try to avoid them. So it's really funny. I procreated with one. 
Well, you know, we always an accident. <laughs> we always go to somebody who's not like ours. Yeah, well, I didn't know that at the time either, though, because you know we were twenty, we were kids. We don't know what we don't know shit. And this is where 20s. I insert my PSA that you do not get to. This is what I'm going to tell my kids. <laughs> You don't get married before 25. You don't procreate before 25. You don't make a big life choice before 25 Mm -hmm. because your brain's not developed yet. Mm -hmm. I stand by that rule wholeheartedly. Yep. I'm 28, almost 29, going to have my first kid. And I'm still like, am I? Am I I qualified? Am I qualified to raise children? You know what, Christina? It literally took me. It was literally in this last year where I was like, oh, I could totally, I'm totally, I got this kids crush. I can do it. No, I'm not crushing it. But like, now I get it. Now I understand. Now I know what I need to do. And now Now that he's almost done. Uh huh. And now I'm going through the whole, like, shit, I fucked up that and that I should (laughs) have, I fucked up there too. Like, fuck, I'm so sorry, honey. I totally failed you here. (laughs) See, this is why, you know, they always say like your first kid is like your trial kid. I'm like, that's terrible. That's something you, that's something (laughs) you pancake theory. (laughs) That's something only people who had kids before 25 say, okay. Yeah. Cause we, cause you don't, you don't know. I mean, I didn't know who I was at 20. I mean, I thought no. I knew who I was at 20. Everyone thinks they know who the they things are at 20. I, yeah. Well, the things, the career I wanted and the things I wanted out of my life haven't really changed much, you know? And so there's that, but in terms of like, I'm so much better at setting boundaries. I'm so much better. At, well, I'm actually went through a brief period recently where I wasn't very good at taking care of myself, but I really got, you know, I really, that understanding of how to take care of myself really started setting in at 24. Um, and then, you know, just little things where I'm just like, I don't really like that or just yeah, the inner workings and minutia, the minutia of who I am. I know better now than I did 17 years ago. And I think that I would be, I would be, um, I want to say a much better parent. I would definitely be a completely different parent if I had any more kids, but also I'm not having any more kids because I'm not doing that shit alone. Like I hate watching. I don't hate watching, but it's really hard to watch. And I think I've talked about this before on the show. I can't remember, but it's really hard for me to watch deeply romantic birth stories in movies and in television because that is not my story. And that's hard because I would like to know what that feels like, but I I'm 38 this year. So there's a strong chance. I will never know what that feels like. And I, it's just hard and it gets harder and harder the older I get. And I don't know. And I think that's because there's like that clock, that window really is, especially because I'm tired of having my period. Just like take it out, take it out. But then also, if you take it out, you go like a whole year without a period. Though, if you have a kid, huh? Well, you could go a whole year though without having a period if you decide to have another kid. Yeah, I mean, first of all, and it's very pop culture of you to start doing it like now. I know, know, have that nice big age gap that makes no sense, right? And but I would need to have a committed partner because I'm not doing that alone again. Like I had a lot of fake false promises that shouldn't have been made, but because we were told that you children need a mother and a father for for them to grow up healthy bullshit. They just need a loving person who's stable and committed. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was made a lot of promises that never happened and I'm not damaged from that, but I definitely hate that that's my motherhood story. And I hate that that's my birth story. Like my best friend drove me to the hospital because we thought I might be in labor but we weren't sure. And I hadn't talked to like baby daddy in like months at that point. Like no one should go through that. Like there's a reason why you should be in a loving, committed relationship before you have children. And like, that is, that is a completely separate thing from having sex and whoopsies happen. So stop getting in the way of us actually being able to produce children in a loving, healthy way. Looking at you, Texas. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to get down that. We need to no, go. We on need to, to move question. on. Okay, here we go. <laughs> wow, like, we, took we don't have time for Texas. Okay, <laughs> or, or Mississippi, or any of the other. States. We don't have time. Here we go. For this. Here we go. I yeah, promise. No. Here we go. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Hughes by Jewels. Hughes by Jewels offers custom artwork and original prints specializing in watercolor, focusing on the human form and different shades of skin. If you're looking for that perfect gift for a birthday 
or have a special memory you'd like to commemorate, visit Hughes by Jewels on Instagram or find the Etsy shop of the same name. That's Hughes, H-U-E-S by Jewels, J-U-L-S. (laughs) The overwhelmingly positive response of Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts working with each other is a delight, especially since both women are billed as executive producers as well. There's a few others as well, but they're the biggest names. As I mentioned earlier, the star power these two brought with them on set at the time was undeniable. Julia Roberts' earlier films included Sleeping with the Enemy, Hook, The Pelican Brief, My Best Friend's Wedding, and Conspiracy Theory. Susan Sarandon was in Thelma Louise, The Client, and Little Women. The Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media reports that only 7% of directors, 13% of writers, and 20% of producers are female. The stepmom director is male. The writers include Gigi Lavangi. I was going to figure out how to pronounce everyone's name before today, and that didn't happen. I feel like that's that's a common theme on the show. (laughs) Max. Jesse Nelson, Steen Rogers, Karen Leigh Hopkins, Lee Hopkins, Karen Lee Hopkins, and Ronald Bass. The Gina Davis Institute concludes that female involvement in the creative process is imperative for creating greater gender balance before the production even begins. When one hops on Rotten Tomato, one will notice that many male critics found this movie to be rotten. Well, very few female critics felt the same, but a large group of critics did love this film, though the consensus is that it doesn't compare to films like Terms of Endearment, which only had one female producer credited on IMDb. So do you think this film would have captured the essence of being a mother threatened by the thought and prospect of another woman coming in if it had not been for so many women producers? No. You want to <laughs> expand on that? You're just going to leave it at no? No. Um, okay. Well, I just, I, you can't tell this story the way that they told this story without having multiple females points of view. Agreed. That's, that's the bottom line. You can't, just like you wouldn't be able to tell a story about stepdads mm-hmm. without multiple men's point of view. Like, though, Stepdad is a really funny movie, but it definitely is a dude movie. <laughs> like, it just, it's, nobody understands like the levity of mm-hmm. motherhood like women do, like mothers do. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they didn't have this many women coming together to produce this, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have told the story the way it did. Mm -hmm. Like I said, one of my favorite things is that there was never like a clear, they're focused on making the mom look the best or focused on making the stepmom look the best. They really are just showing you the raw, like, unfortunately messy messy, yeah Yeah. life details that come in emotions that come with both roles and Mm -hmm. the only way you can really tell that is by getting a bunch of women together who've probably experienced different versions of that Mm -hmm. to some degree and creating the story so that both parties can feel like their sides were heard Mm -hmm. and that both parties can relate and have those strong emotions with the characters because I I just want to talk about the one scene that uh, the one scene that always gets me in all of the feels is when they go to dinner together Mm. and she says one of my biggest fears in life is that on Anna's wedding day she's gonna be you know she's gonna be getting ready she's gonna be you know so excited and then she's she's not gonna go oh I wish my mom was here and then the stepmom goes and one of my biggest fears is that on her biggest day of her life the only thing she's thinking about is I wish my mom was here and what I disagree with the stepmom's point of view here for sure um I understand both emotions Mm -hmm. but as I guess as a stepmom I would I think I would feel more, I would feel worse if my child didn't think about their mom on that Mm -hmm. day and 
you know, didn't have that thought where they wish they were there because I think no matter how good of a bond you have with your stepchild, you should always nurture and cater the fact that the person that brought them into this world is the person that they obviously will want for all those big life things. Mm -hmm. And that's something I guess that hit me a lot harder this time now that I'm going to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And I understood like the more complex like realities of that. And I, I'm gonna pat myself on the back for realizing that before I became a mom, <laughs> but also like, it's just something where like, I, I still get like why she'd be afraid of that because, you know, you do pour so much love and energy as if you are this person's mother mm. into this relationship and you want all of those same, I guess maybe perks, I get, yeah, could be the, the accolades. Word. Yeah. But you have to realize at the end of the day that it's like, it's different when there's just that unearthly connection that Mm -hmm. no one talks about. Mm -hmm. And now experiencing, you know, like pregnancy and growing a human, it's like I could, if my kid ever didn't think about me and I wasn't here (laughs) on her big life moments, I'd be like, excuse me, ma'am. Guess what? What I'm going to haunt you now for the rest of your life. Yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, but I think that that conversation in general, like they're, you know, they were both being so raw and so real to just come together and talk about the fact that all it came down to was the fact that how much they love their daughter. Yeah. That it, what showed in that moment was that both of them just love Anna so much that they were thinking about her future yeah both of them love Anna so much that they were thinking about all the things that she was going to be going through Mm -hmm. and all the things that she might miss because of you know the situation she's in and I think that there's no way without having that many female producers on Mm -hmm. set that would have came across as beautifully and as raw as it did yeah. Cause it felt so honest, you it know, was. Like, doesn't understand what it's like to have children. She just oh. knows what it's like to come into an already, you know, prefab family and trying to get Anna to be, you know, not on her team, but at least like her. Cause the whole movie, Anna is just giving her, she's just giving her the hardest time and making her mm-hmm. life super difficult on purpose. And or maybe it's not necessarily on purpose. She's just acting out because she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't understand why her parents can't be together. And she, and no one's, well, Susan Saran is, you know, Jackie's trying to talk to her kids through stuff, even though she doesn't want to, she's still like in those scenes with her kids being a bigger person, um, about certain situations, but yeah, like that's really scary. And then too, you know, the, the long, the unexpected moments of grief when somebody dies before all the milestones happen, right? When someone passes away at like 90, you in theory think that you've seen, we assume that we've seen everything, our children through everything at that point. So 90 is a nice long life. We hear that a lot. 90 is a nice long life. They're survived by da, da, da. But the younger and younger and younger somebody is when they pass away, especially when they have kids and like family members, the, the, the more and more complicated the grief becomes because Mm -hmm. there's things that you don't see, there's things that you don't experience. And that's, that's a fear I have. Yeah. I don't want to outlive my kids. I want to be old. I want to have seen everything. I want to have, I want to have a relationship if I have grandchildren with those grandchildren. Um, but if I die at 45, like, Well, I have kids young, so maybe I could have, I could maybe have a grandkid at that point, but still, you know, like my friends won't, but still you might my friends' kids are like seven. (laughs) If they died at 45, they're like leaving behind a 15 year old. But you're, you're right. Like the, the grief of someone dying, what isn't like an, what we deem an appropriately Mm -hmm. long life age, you know, like, like we have, I we have that grief coming up of Taylor's dad not being here for the birth of our child, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, he was there for Aiden's first seven years of life. And then Aiden has that grief of 
knowing a grandparent that his little sister will not know, you know, and like, I guess kind of the burden of explaining that relationship and that, you know, bond to her. And even maybe over time, not remembering all those cherished moments Mm -hmm. that we're going to remember for him, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like, you, they have that element in this movie too. That's just heartbreaking Mm -hmm. that she is on a clock and she is dying and they don't know when, and they don't, you know, that I like that they don't really get into that. They just kind of establish that because like, I would be wrecked if I really had to go through that in the movie as well. Right. (laughs) But again, I think another female touch to not show it because that's not the point. That's not the point of the movie is to see her die. The The point point of the movie is for them to come together in harmony or some version of the movie also is just to, to face these big realities, Mm -hmm. to, to think about like these large ideas and and big emotions and to toy with them and to yeah. you know contemplate them and I think that's what they do so well is that they don't they they have definitely put elements of tragedy in there mm-hmm. without ever giving you full tragic or full tra- tragedy yeah it's just like look this is all looming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they kind of just do the the woman thing of like, we're going to insert the anxiety, but we're not going to really ever play it out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so all of us feel it at feel. home. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, you know, not to, to go, not on the sad part, but then on the, uh, like on a, ha- not a happier note, but part of the complicated relationship they have, there's that scene when... Julia Roberts hires that model to like be her boyfriend for like Mm -hmm. the moment and like for me watching it this time because at the time when I was 14 I was like yeah that guy's cute like hell yeah that's totally awesome but then as an adult I'm just like okay she's 12 and you put a high school eight you're saying her boyfriend's in high school like do you understand how inappropriate that is? <laughs> like, so inappropriate. <laughs> and like, but again, you know, I don't know how old Isabel is supposed to be. By Hollywood standards, she's probably 26 in this movie, right? Yeah. But yeah, I That's thought that was funny. another like indi- like another touch, like trying to highlight how young Julia Roberts' character is and how little of an understanding she has when it comes to like the long-term ramifications of mm-hmm. like when you do something like that and then like the line she tells her to say to him still don't know what that means <laughs> I know she's like I won't explain it to you just you know whatever it's so funny it's yeah and it's one of those things where like you it's a it's a parenting moment too uh-huh. where you're like now she's seeing how this person's gonna parent her kids and of Susan Sarandon you know being the mother is like what am I leaving my children right, with? Like, what's right. gonna, like, what are you gonna do when she like, him, like, actual reason to be like, look, you need to stand up for, you know, like yeah. a logical way to go about it versus like, okay, look it, I'm gonna go because I feel like she went like more of like the big sister or uh-huh. like route versus the like parent route, and I think again that's where like age plays a huge role in mm-hmm. things and. Um, yeah, because Susan Sarandon's suggestion was like, oh, just ignore him. It'll go away, which, yeah, because eventually if you don't feel that fire, it's going to die out. Yeah. But when you're 12, that's not the answer you want because you don't have the patience for it because a week oh. feels like 10 years of your life. Because a week when you're 12 is 10 years of your life. I remember middle school going by so painfully slow. It was just yeah god if I could if I could have anything go as slow as that time again I would be thankful but like it just was like turtle pace so I can imagine turtle, turtle. you know when you're in <laughs> when you're in like that situation it always feels longer I mean even yeah. as an adult when we're in situations we don't really like it feels longer than it is but we have the perspective of knowing like time is fleeting <laughs> Yeah. And to your point about Susan Sarandon being like, what am I leaving my child with? What happens when like she has her first one night stand or like has sex with somebody that she regrets or like loses her virginity or like 
is engaged to somebody she probably doesn't be engaged to. (laughs) She's, you know, as the mom, she's thinking of all these bigger things. Mm -hmm. And whereas Julia Roberts' character is just like, I just got rid of the problem right now. And she's almost thinking like as a kid, you know, she's thinking in the kid mindset of like, "Mm, it's going to blow over or whatever and it's fine. One of the things that bothered me a little bit was how Julia Roberts' character was so upset that nobody took her into consideration. And it didn't bother me because I felt like she didn't deserve it. It bothered me because she she's also not taking anybody else into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I understand Susan Sarandon is dealing with, Jackie's dealing with a terminal illness, and that just, you can't focus on anything once that's yeah. happening. So I give her a little grace there. Ed Harris, Luke, where the fuck are you? Like, why aren't you trying to help? Like, the fuck is wrong with you? And I get, again, that's not the point is not, you know, to weave him into the story, but that's the only kind of gripe I have where he could be, could have been a little bit more of like a balance between the two of like helping Jackie or helping at least Isabel for sure um, come into the dynamic in a way that would be non-threatening. I mean, I don't yeah. think in the beginning it's ever going to be non-threatening, but, you know, to be there for that transition and to help like foster that with your kids. Like, I feel like he left his kids with her a lot. I was just going to say that is, I think, more accurate for the that. I don't even know about that time period, but like, like we talked a little bit at the beginning about co-parenting now. Uh-huh. I think fathers in general nowadays are a lot more active in their kids' lives. And so that's where we get this term of co-parenting. So when you do have this new partner, it's kind of your responsibility, whether you're the mom or the dad, like Mm -hmm. to bring your partner into the loop in a way that helps everybody transition more smoothly and not be putting where I feel like he was like, cool, I got my kids another mom. And he just bounced out. Yeah, which is which is kind of 20th century. That's yeah. I'm like, that's kind of how it used to be. It was like, well, if I just get another lady in the house, then Mm -hmm. we will solve all these problems. And it's like, no, no, your kids are still gonna look to you as their parent Mm -hmm. and they're gonna look to you for guidance. And one thing you really can't force kids to do is respect some stranger in their house. Which is so, again, that era of like, I'm sorry, I have an adult here. This is an adult. You need to respect an adult. And you're just like, but that adult is trash and I don't want to respect him. Like, or like, I don't know this adult. Like you haven't given me any background on this person. She's just here now doing things like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. That just really shows like, the the difference I think in maybe generation is mm-hmm. a better way to say it like I would yeah. say that our generation is doing a better job at like being one that the dads are way more active way more at least from my experience mm-hmm. I don't know I've choose not <laughs> to hang out with choose not to hang out with people that aren't being like if I'll call you out on your shit if you're not being a good <laughs> a yeah, good parent yeah. I don't care if you're the mom or the dad like if you're not being a good parent I'm gonna call you out and yeah like, yeah but I think in general, that's what this generation has done a better job of doing is having yeah. active parent roles. It's yeah. not, it's not all laid out for the mom to do everything. It's right. like, it's partnerships. And so when that partnership splits and branches off into new partnerships, mm-hmm. then it is your job as the leader in that partner role for your child to like bring the other person in make everybody feel adapted easily more smoothly and Mm -hmm. I don't know know yeah (laughs) I mean I get it it's like it's like you know in in a sense generationally we have changed you know we have different expectations for our parents like there are dads who stay at home there are parents who co-parent like have that there's a book called fair play on you know how to break down how to um, manage a household and parent in a way that feels even that's a big conversation right now. And that is just not my parents' generation and our infrastructure has not caught up to that. No, which is the other frustrating part of it too, Mm -hmm. because you can see that like Isabel's career is taking a hit because she's trying to be an active step parent, um, which is completely 
bullshit and unfair. Jackie's career took a massive hit because she decided to stay home with the kids, which is fine. But, you know, if she wanted to move back into the workplace in 1998, it wouldn't have been easy for her to do so, you know, because again, she's created a a family life and dynamic for kids that doesn't allow for her to work full time especially in like New York city. Like, I don't know where they live somewhere else in New York, like 45 minutes away or whatever. As a generation, we have changed. Our infrastructure has not changed to support it and it's bullshit and they need to fucking catch up. But I've heard, I've heard all kinds of things, how it could take like 300 years for things to like level out. And I'm just like, I'll be dead. (laughs) I'd like to see it now. (laughs) It sounds unpromising and I don't, I don't even want to get into that. Right. <laughs> okay, Christina, I just thank you so much for always coming on when you have time. I know that your life is like big and crazy. And by the time the show's air, the show airs, you will be a mommy. Wow. That's not wild. That's super weird. Can I got you- like seven weeks left. <laughs> this is this crunch time. Let's get it's real a lot. now. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's can, baby things around the house. I now. know. I love it. Can you please remind everybody where they can keep up with you if they want to? I am at Christina underscore K underscore creations. We can argue about the underscores later. Just accept me for who I am. We love you no matter what. I'll link friends. I'll link to her social handles. So if you wanted to keep up with her, you can easily find it instead of trying to type in all of those underscores on um, Instagram. I know. I'm just so difficult. (laughs) Life's hard, man. Friend. It's been nice talking to you. It's been nice talking to you. 